the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. May God's blessing rest upon the reading of his word. And as he pointed out a moment ago, that when we read the Gospels, the Lord Jesus, whenever he was in public, people drew near and seeking his hand to bless them, to bless their children, if you will, a touch from him. And we witness his compassion. God, the living God, is working through his son. And as God is working, there's a beautiful harmony between the father and the son. I'm retired now after 46 years. There's, the word retirement, of course, isn't in scripture, but it gives me an opportunity to reflect. And one of the beautiful pictures we have in our Bible is that the son loves to reveal the father and the father loves to glorify his sons. And while multitudes are touched, there's not always evidence that there's a change in the inner lives of people. Consider the 10 leopards. The effect of Christ's touch, it's immediate. All of the 10 receive a cleansing, but only one returns to bend down in reverence and thank the Lord. So men receive a touch right up to the present, but sometimes no inner work that expresses itself in, in, in being thankful in our life being changed. So I think it's safe to say that there's a distinction between a touch from the Lord and being brought into a vital union with Christ, a living union with the Lord. In the Old Testament, men knew God as the living God. When Christ resurrected, another title to deity, to God Almighty, is added, the God of the resurrection. Stay with me. When the Hebrews were freed from Egypt, all the people entered into a time of learning, including the leaders. They arrive, as we read a moment ago, at the Red Sea. Meanwhile, Pharaoh and his people, they built up a head of steam, intent on capturing the Hebrew people and revenge. The waters of the Red Sea are divided, demonstrating that the Lord isn't an inanimate idol. He's the living God. Then in Exodus 17, Numbers 20, God provides water from the rock to satisfy his people's thirst. Then manna from heaven. Throughout their journey, think of it, the miraculous that God's people knew the cloud, the cloud that provided shade from the oppressive heat. And at night, it was a pillar of fire, so they knew shade in that desert and the warmth of fire every evening. There were mighty 
acts of the miraculous from the living God. But one thing we can conclude is that God's nature, despite the miraculous, doesn't unite or blend with the nature of men. Remember the opposition that came to Moses again and again. Lord, why have you brought the burden of all these people upon me? They're ready to stone me. And yet, after having seen God's mighty provision, as you read the pages of Exodus, God is still God and man is still man. And we think to see these things on such a, 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 a large scale affecting collective lives. It wasn't just someone that experienced something individually and tried to tell others. No. The people witnessed this mighty miracle of God. In being a believer some 50 plus years, I've seen God bestow a healing on an individual in answer to prayer. And I've seen sometimes people return back to their life as though nothing happens. They know God is a living God. They've experienced the miraculous, but there's no increase in that inner life. So to understand a distinction between the living God and the God of the resurrection, if you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. The God of the resurrection, when he resurrected his son, there's a transformation that comes. We've experienced it in our lives. When we come to the waters of baptism, Paul talks about, know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death and into his burial? When I baptized people, and still I do a, a baptism here and there, my words are the words that I learned on Nevada. I'm baptizing you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm baptizing you into his death and into his burial that you might become one with him in his resurrection. Knowing this, that the Lord Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, 
will meet you in these waters of baptism to sever that old man and allow you to rise to walk in newness of life. I learned that here in the importance of water baptism. And what takes place is this, is the living God acts on behalf of man, but the nature of God doesn't unite with the nature of men. But as Fromke, Devern Fromke states it, when the God of the resurrection works, he communicates himself to man by that which he does for him. And we know that when we come out of those waters of baptism, we emerge from those waters, we meet the living Christ. And we rise to walk in that newness of life. First John speaks of the witness of water, the witness of the spirit, the witness of blood. The faith was first among the Jewish people and then Gentiles who had no background in scripture. There was no New Testament. But they made their confession. They joined themselves to the body. And as they went into the waters and they emerged, their lives were transformed. They became new men and women. I've known as a pastor, people change over a long time. But we do know that something spiritual transpires. And why is it? Because we meet the God of the resurrection. Listen to Paul. We don't want you to be ignorant. I mean, his openness of the trouble. And remember, being in Asia, that's not their first language. And as I was reading this, I thought, of our blessed Lord when he was in Gethsemane and he began to be sorrowful. And the commentators describe this as being homesick when he was in Gethsemane, wanting to be home and so far away because the sins of mankind were resting upon him. And for Paul and the others, was it illness? I believe it was. But they were so burdened, it was beyond measure, above strength, despairing even of life. And this is what he says. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Because as he looked within, he saw death. When he looked around, things were so grim. And what takes place is he unites with the God of the resurrection. Christ comes to him, and his witness is that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. As we know, Pastor Julie pointed out, we're so blessed here, and we have annoyances, disappointments. But whatever Paul went through in Asia, 
was really something. If you will, it made an impression on him that whatever he went through after that, he just knew the God of the resurrection. He'll resurrect me. He'll give me the power to see this thing through. Years ago, when Pastor Brother Jim retired, I had him come and speak at, at our church. He just read the passage and began to expound the word. My teenage son just said, wow, Dad, he had no notes. He just began speaking. And it was just ministering life. And I got together with them and I said, Brother Jim, I wanted to discuss with you something very personal. I have a special need son, and I know that you have a, a special need son. And I'd like to just receive some counsel from you. So he met with me, we spoke on something, and it was something so personal for him. But he opened up and, and talked with me. And my point is this, is that God uses broken people. And there's a quality when God has worked in our lives. Because there are some situations that we go deep into the valley and we want deliverance from it. As we mature, as we grow, and we say, Lord, bring me through this. Help me to learn what you want me to learn through this. That's the better of the prayers. When I was a young Christian, like the Hebrews of old, we got to get out of this place. But as we mature, Lord, there's something for me to learn. And with Paul, as grueling as it was, like a rasp, like a rasp within, he came to see that the sentence of death is in ourselves. We can look within, and when something's so grim like that, you see death. You look around, it's hard to see something good coming out of it. But then the God of resurrection came in, and we were taught not to trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. I don't think this was something that lasted a weekend. It lasted, and it went into two days, three days. But whatever it was, we've despaired even of life. When we go through something, let's say this, is we have around our spiritual man a husk. God places it there, and to be independent of one another, God's made us that way, but to be independent of God, that's sin. And when we go through something, when the apple cart gets upset in our children's lives, in our own lives, in grandchildren's lives, we can right away want to step in and make everything well. But God is at work because when that husk is cracked, the inner man comes out. That inner man, that sensitive, responds to God in a way that we may not before. And the wonderful thing is, he does something in our lives 
that transforms us, and we're never the same. And so as I spoke with Pastor Dale, Brother Jim, he confided to me how difficult that was to have a son who had special needs. At that time, they referred to it as retardation. And I took a long walk with God. And he gave me counsel. Because that's something he went through. And the God of the resurrection worked something into him. And when you see people that have been broken, God uses them. And there's just a quality about him or her. If we were God, we wouldn't do it this way. We wouldn't do it this way. But he knows his business. And we're changed. We're transformed. And God who raises the dead. And he communicated his nature to Paul. And Paul had a vital union with his Lord. God uses broken people. And so we have two levels of life. The man who enjoys the occasional touch from God and the man or woman who's brought into a vital life union with the Lord. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. For as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except that it abide in the vine, neither can you except you abide in me. I say those words in the morning we get up, we check in with the general. Lord, I draw near unto you. In that time that's spent with him in the morning, because we all know that first half hour can set the tone for the day. But that time that's spent with the Lord is an antiseptic for the rest of the day. And I quote those words to myself to remind me that I've got one little task to do, and that's to bear fruit. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. So, Lord, whatever we do or don't do, please, Father, I want to make certain that that structural union is sure. I'm abiding in you, you're abiding in me. Because we can't add to God's glory, we can't increase it, but when we bear fruit, we glorify the Father. And the wonderful thing about it is, when we go through, through things, because Christ is resurrected, we meet the God of the resurrection. I know the living God. I've read about him and experienced what he can do. But I don't want to leave my knowing the Lord just in that, in that experience. No, we want to know the God of the resurrection. And that often comes through dying, a death. But once that life is communicated to us, we know it. We know it, and it's with us for the rest of our lives. There's two levels of ministry when God is in our midst. The touch from God is still viable. It's, it's kingdom ministry. And that touch from God is on the unbeliever, on the newer believer. We've seen God just use us 
to pray over somebody. They, they don't know the Lord. We pray, and God touches their lives. That's, that's Christ working through us. We who are a little further up the road, or God touching the newer Christian, we who are a, a little further up the road, because that touch of God flows out from us, and we're building up the ministry in the body until these persons enter into a vital relationship with the Lord. I am that vine. You're the branches. I want to close with just a good story I read a few months ago, and it was Harry Ironside, who was the pastor of Moody Church, and it was thought, boy, this is really good because we are touched by the God of the resurrection. He communicates his life within us. Now, what does that look like in the everyday? And I thought, this is such a good story. I'll just remember it. And a good story is like a, like a good song. can be heard again and again. There was a time when all the oranges coming from the West Coast had seeds in the early 1900s, two navel orange trees, N-A-V-E-L, two navel orange trees were brought into Riverside, California from Brazil. They were cultured and cuttings from these two parent trees that were seedless from Riverside were budded with existing orange trees that were seeded. I never thought about this, have you? You know. But what happened is the character of the trees were changed. So a man having 40 acres, a grove, 40 acres with orange trees, he could have 20 acres of those trees just lopped and still have another 20 acres having oranges with seeds in them. 20 acres would go on bearing oranges with seeds, but under the bark of the lop trees, the owner put in navel orange cuttings. All those trees would have new branches loaded with oranges, except one thing would be changed. They would come up seedless. So if we went to the grove owner, we could ask him or her or them, what kind of trees are these? Washington navel oranges. Is that the only kind they bear? Don't they sometimes bear oranges with seeds? No. A budded tree doesn't produce seeded oranges. And as he speaks, you could look down and you see a little shoot under the branches coming out of the trunk. Look, what's that shoot? The grove owner pulls out a pruning knife from his belt and cuts that small shoot away. That's from below the graft. It's got to be pruned off. So the budded tree has a characteristic of bearing navel oranges. 
And if you don't watch below the graft, there's a demonstration of the old nature. And so what do we do? Well, we learn from nature. We cut off that little shoot coming up. Metanoia was a word that I learned here, a change of mind, of attitude toward a thing. And rather than justify it, rather say, well, God, you know, I'm Hispanic, you know how his, I'm Irish, you know, we got tempers. Lord, I agree with you. It's got to be pruned. And it can just be self-will, lust, all the things that afflict us, all the things that are part of that old nature. And that way we stay healthy, healthy, navel oranges. Is that the only kind of seeds that they bear? Oh, yes. What's that little shoot right there? It's below the graft. It has to be pruned. And that's how we stay healthy, brothers and sisters. Men and women of Bethesda will continue to grow, and we're so grateful for the living God who transforms our lives, who in the book of Exodus, we see his mighty, his miraculous acts. But there's something better God has for us. He's the God of the resurrection. And with the God of the resurrection, he communicates his life to us, and his nature becomes one with ours. So we can say, Big Bad Bill is now Sweet William. Will you stand with me? To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Father, we're so thankful for this the Lord's day. We're so thankful, Lord, that you've drawn us. And Lord, we're sinners, but we love you, Lord. And we're so grateful, Father, that you've given us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we just pray, help us, help us in this journey to keep walking with you, Lord. And Lord, to want to seek something more than a touch from God, but to really have that vital union with you, Lord, you dwelling in us and we dwelling in thee, that we may bear fruit to honor the name of our Father and to glorify his Son. Father, I pray for this congregation. Lord, it began as an armory and where men and women were equipped to be able to bring God's kingdom to bear upon the lives of those around them. And I thank you, Lord, that Bethesda Christian Church touched our lives, including mine. And I'm so thankful and I pray that, Lord, as we enter into this 21st century, that Bethesda will raise that banner of the Lord Jesus and glorify his name and that our lives will count for Jesus Christ. In his blessed name we pray.
Amen. Amen. Good, Amen. good. Amen. A blessing All right. be with you. Thank you, Brother Alex. I really, really appreciate your word to us this morning. I hope you all receive it. The God of the resurrection can see you through anything, anything, whatever anguish, trouble, trial, tribulation you've been through, he can use it. And he will use it if you just uh, give him your life. So thank you, thank you uh, for that, Pastor Alex. I'm taking that with me too, that I've got to prune beneath the graft. That's, uh, that's, I think, something we can all receive. Uh, I don't want to be that person, though I have been. Seen, tasted and seen the goodness of God, his miracle power, and yet acted as if nothing happened. You know, those are, those are moments of regret and shame and uh, it, it means something needs to be pruned. Let's take it to heart and prune, prune uh, beneath that graft. Again, thank you, thank you, Brother Alex. Uh, if any of you need prayer, our altars are always, always open uh, at the close of a service. We have elders who will pray over you, anoint you with oil. Uh, we receive the word of God today, and uh, God bless you. God bless you as you go. And again, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Alex.